Do you feel like there aren't enough hours in the day for you to take care of yourself in addition to being a parent, a partner, maybe an employee, an adult? What if you could feel like a healthier you in just minutes a day while being a parent and all those other things? Uh, Does this sound salesy and like a make-believe sentence? I'm really not trying to sound salesy. I'm just a dietitian and more on a mission to help you make it a reality. My name is Beth August. I am a registered dietitian, nutritionist, fitness trainer, wife, and mama. I run Be Well with Beth, and I'm the founder of an online group program called The Refresh. And every day in my business, I help busy parents just like you figure out how to achieve your health and wellness goals. I know that what you need are small and simple strategies that can just fit into your daily rhythm and will lead to big change. I also know that you don't need a giant to-do list. You just need actionable steps that you can actually cross off of your list. And so that's what this podcast is all about. I want to share with you some of the more meaningful things that have come up in conversation with my clients. I want to invite you in to conversations that I'll have with other experts about how to find actual solutions for feeling your best. Welcome, everybody. I have a guest that I'm really, really excited to talk to today, Ada Okafor. No, I'm going to say it wrong. Ada Okafor? Okafor. Yes. I messed it up, even though I just had your name right. How do you pronounce your name? Tell me. So Tell me again. Ada Okafor. Ada Okafor. Yeah. Ada Okafor. She is Nigerian um, American, and I am learning that the accent is on the end of the word a little bit. Um, and we just had a whole conversation about me making sure I pronounce her name right, and I still stuttered. So apologies. No worries. No worries. The fact that you're even like taking time to learn it, it's that means a lot. So no worries at all. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Ada Okafor. Um, well, welcome. So Ada is a lawyer, a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist, a real estate investor, a business owner. She just opened another business in the last six months. Um, and she's also a full-time mom to two little girls and a full-time wife to a soldier. You do so much. And we've already been chatting so much. And I'm so excited to get into so much of this with you today. Um, so welcome. Uh, thanks so much, Beth. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm so excited to get to meet you and, you know, for us to have this chat. So yes. So before, so right now we've been already talking for 20 plus minutes because, (laughs) um, we just had so much fun talking to each other. Uh, and, and I want to backtrack and make sure that we talk about some of it actually, as we're recording, um, Mm -hmm. tell me about, um, your path. Like, tell me about, I guess, I don't think I even asked you this, but how did you go from just full-time attorney to attorney to all of these other businesses and how do you do it all well raising kids and tell me how you do it all oh sure sure um so a little bit about my background i i am nigerian i was born there um in nigeria in the 80s and then my family moved to england and that's where i spent the majority of my childhood um most nigerians can relate to that story of you know their family moving to the west for a better life and that's Mm -hmm. what my parents did um, and after a couple of years, we moved to the U.S. And in the U.S., we kind of hopped around, as I mentioned earlier, we hopped around in Connecticut, mm-hmm. in New York, and then eventually settled just outside of Dallas. And so I finished high school there, went to college, and I had always wanted to be a lawyer. There was just this sense of social justice, this advocacy mm-hmm. in me. You know, I was always rooting for the underdog. And 
I hated seeing people get bullied or mistreated. And so I think that that's was kind of always innate. I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I think from an early age, I said that, you know, I wanted to be a lawyer and there weren't any lawyers in my family. And so, um, you know, I really started thinking about it um, in high school. I got accepted to this program that you could go study at American University, which is funny enough that I actually went to law school there, but it was like a program for high schoolers, pre-law, whatever they called it. And so I went there and we were, you know, DC for the first time uh, is just so amazing. I mean, you're like, you're at the heart of the yeah. country, politics, lawyers. It was really exciting for me. And I think that's what solidified it. And I did mm -hmm. that in 10th grade. And so I had to chart this path really by myself. I mean, my parents were great. They were always supportive, but they couldn't tell me you need to do this next. Like I just had mm -hmm. to like figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, and so being the first is always hard. You know, yeah. it, it always is. There's that burden of, you know, people watching me and, you know, I've got to get this right. Um, I don't want to fail. I don't want to come back and say I couldn't do it. And so um, I just, I worked really hard. I think there's this uh, Nigerian ethic um, that your parents already sacrificed so much for you to get here. They mm. left everything they've ever known and they moved to a different country, not knowing anyone. Like, mm. I'm just like still blown by that. And I think for me, I was always just like, I need to do this for myself, but I also need to do it for them to show them that I appreciate everything that you've done to get us here. Um, and so, yeah, after college, I went out to law school in DC at American and studied law and still hadn't like formulated what I was gonna do. I was just like, mm. I was gonna practice law. I actually went in there thinking I was gonna do like civil rights or international yeah. human rights, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then ended up finding this like weird <laughs> kind of niche passion in like tax and employee benefits and exact comp and business. Huh. Well, very different. Yes, still helping very, people, right? Still, still helping people, but in a very, <laughs> very different way. Um, and so I, I worked in that space um, in DC and then I moved out to Philly for a really great opportunity with a farm and ended up in that space working again. And then I recently lateral to an in-house role. So I'm now a lawyer for a company as opposed to a law firm. And in addition to that, uh, yeah, in addition to that, they uh, wanted to start a diversity program. So I'm actually their chief diversity officer. Mm. And so I've been in this for a year and I can tell you, it's like the most incredible thing that I've ever done. Um, I wouldn't say I was unhappy in my other roles, but I'm actually like fulfilled. I can say that genuinely. You know, when people used to tell me, oh, they love their job, I'd be like side-eyeing them and be like, <laughs> I'm not your supervisor. I don't care. Like, but yeah. I actually like get it now. Like I'm always excited to get up and start work. Like I That's think amazing. That, yeah, I've I've never had that before. And I've been doing this a hmm. long time. So I I think that that was really where I said, you know what, I can do other things. I've thought I was just going to practice law and that was it but here's this mm -hmm. like new skill set that I'm learning and it's helping people it's helping my company it's helping me be a better person and so yeah that's, that's so really cool. yeah oh my gosh it's just been an incredible ride um overwhelming at times I think because when you go into a company that's never had the company is almost 85 years old they've never had DEI and mm -hmm. it's in a space that's very you know white and male dominated and mm -hmm. knowing everything that's happened since you know George Floyd's murder this pandemic right. you know um, Asian hate all of that you know I just feel this huge burden on me to make sure that I do it right whatever that means mm -hmm me that that I do it right that I know what I'm talking about I'm able to 
um, you know, coach and train and educate people so that, you know, they're not the same as when I started. Cause I think that that's when I would say I failed if the message hasn't gotten across. Um, mm. so. Yeah, so that's like a long, Ooh, a long path. Um, I'm, I'm like right now resonating so hard with you because my husband, um, around the same time that you became that you started directing DEI, um, became the lead of like a team at his office. It wasn't a department, but just a team that helps you know bring awareness and make sure that um, I won't go into detail because that's his, his job. But um, but yeah, he's did something similar to you, and uh, the the weight of it and the importance of it, like that's a lot to carry. Yes. Um, so I know I want to get into that with you, and I want to talk about that in a minute and talk about like how you could use help carrying the, that weight, or how you know how you would recommend what you recommend people do to to like not just hear the message, but take action. But before I want to, cause I have so, we could talk about that. We will for the whole rest of this. I just want to big picture, like look back at what you just told me and what an amazing journey that you, you know, you first of all, there's, you're always pressuring yourself. It sounds like, so I'm hearing that a little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit that the pressure for your parents and the pressure for you, you want to help the world. You don't just want to do things for you, but you're doing things for other people, which is amazing. Um, that you wanted to become a lawyer to help people. I feel like I don't always hear that about people wanting to become lawyers. Like, I feel like there's all sorts of different reasons, um, but that you kind of started in one area where you were helping people, but it didn't give you that, that feeling that you're having now. And like, now it's like an exciting time to make a difference because people are listening, but it's also a really terrible time because bad things are happening. And it's like that balance of being like energized versus burnt out. Um, and you're doing it all with two kids. Like, and you said you're here with no help in the city. Like you're not from Philadelphia. How are you doing it with two kids? Yeah. So I would say this has been the most exciting chapter of my life and easily the most exhausting. So I have two little mm -hmm. girls, we have two little girls. Um, Luna is about to be four and mm -hmm. Kanye, who's one and a half. And they're a handful. They're like the light of my life. And I just mm -hmm. love being a mom, but it is, it's definitely exhausting. And um, we've had help at different, different times. Like when Muna was first born, my mom came and helped, you know, my sisters come mm -hmm. out and help. Um, but really at this point right now, it's just me and my husband. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, my husband's in the military, so he's gone a lot. So there's a lot of solo parenting yeah. that I do. And it is difficult. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Some days I'm just like, I can't do this. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm going to get from morning, you know, waking up to bedtime. Like yeah. it is, it is really just like that. And then I just have to break it down and say, okay, let's get to lunch. Let's just, yeah. let's I was going to say what lunch. usually gives, like what usually, what do you usually, what gives? Cause something has to give. Something has to give. And I think it's just, it's probably just like order or trying to control everything because mm. the kids, they're, they're not going to listen. If I say, okay, everyone let's round up. Things are not always going to go as plans, mm -hmm. I think for me, and it's funny because I thought that, uh, you know, I'm one of six. And so I've mm -hmm. always, and I'm the oldest uh, daughter, my brother's older than me, but as the oldest daughter in Nigeria, even my first name, Ada, it means the oldest daughter. So if you oh. ever meet another Ada, know that she's the oh, first okay. family. Um, and so that's a lot of responsibility right there. And then I had mm -hmm. four others after me that I helped raise. And so I've always had that mothering, nurturing instinct, but like actually mm -hmm. being a mom, I thought, okay, I'll be the cool, chill mom, <laughs> the slow mom. And now I'm just like, okay, it's 7 p.m. Time for dinner, time for bed, like trying to follow this regimented so funny. 
but yeah, yeah. when my husband is not around we, we I definitely just like take a step back I'm like if we're gonna stay in pjs all day and change to night pjs at six o'clock then that's fine like that's what yeah. that's what we're gonna do if things are not gonna get done and I usually like to try to get the girls to do I think this is pre-pandemic you know play dates and things like that mm-hmm. but sometimes we'll just be home because there's yeah, just sometimes it's easier so yeah. it's just easier for that. So yeah, I just had um, a kickoff call with my new members for my refresh program, and somebody said, and it, I think it resonated with everybody that like some days I'm just keeping the kids alive, and that's all I can do. And Absolutely. and that's the thing too, like you're doing amazing things, and I wonder because we were both kind of like being like, how did you do it all to each other before we started recording? And some of it's that we don't do it all at the same time. Exactly. Like some days, it it's some days you're like probably head first into DEI stuff. Other days it's your Minuteman business. Other days it's the kids, and um, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, no, I yeah, love that you mentioned that because yes, yeah, I'm sorry. I love that you mentioned that just because yeah, every day looks different. Every single mm-hmm. day looks different. I think we need to also measure success differently based on that day. Like I, yeah. I love what you were saying about your, your client and friend that, you know, some days it is just keeping the kids alive and that is success mm-hmm. in and of itself in that particular day, in that particular moment. Whereas yep. maybe another day you've got the play date scheduled, you've got lunch ready, you've got this and that, and you get through your entire agenda and your entire schedule for the day. And that's a huge success, but Mm-hmm. So it's just keeping the kids alive, you know? Right. So. Yeah. And that kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier about, so we were talking about your work in DEI um, and about, um, and that's diversity, equity, inclusion. Is there another, so there's like, it used to just be DI or something and now it's DEI. That the yeah, it, keep, it keeps evolving. Um, so yeah, it used to be just diversity and inclusion. Now it's diversity, equity, and inclusion. You also have diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And then mm. sometimes you have justice, equity, diversity, inclusion. So the acronym is 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 evolving. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna hear he- oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and then even I'm in, I work for a health organization. So there's another piece to the diversity, um, equity and inclusion, which is health equity, which Mm. is, you know, it's under the umbrella, but, you know, it's it's a different, there we're talking about, uh, you know, social determinants of health amongst different, you know, minority Mm -hmm. populations. Do people get the same access to care? Are you getting worse or better care because of your zip code? So there's like an other elements to it, but yeah, so it's, it's evolving. And I think that that's what's so exciting about this field and this space is that it's constantly evolving and it's not static. Yeah. And that's, what's exciting because you're at the forefront of change and you're seeing, I mean, and also stressful and depressing, but you're at the, you're seeing benefit from your effort, which is cool. Um, So I want to ask first just about, because we were talking about, how, well, first I want to hear about the acronyms, but then I want to talk about how, um, you know, the people listening to this and you and I are both like overwhelmed, busy moms, um, maybe not everyone's a mom, but like, you know, overwhelmed, busy parents, um, who want to do more, but just sometimes don't have the bandwidth because some days all they can do is keep their kids alive. And so I know we were talking about how it ties in with self-care, but wanting to be an upstander versus a bystander. And, um, I don't know. Can you walk me through first? Well, no, you kind of just did talk about a little bit about the different acronym, but if there's anything else you want to share about that and then maybe boiling it down, because I think that's like, I know I, and I think a lot of my um, clients will like, listen, you know, to like podcasts and we'll like follow the people on social media that are activists and get ideas and then be like, okay, which thing am I going to do? And then we do nothing because you know, whatever. Um, So 
talking to those type of people, like what is your advice? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love this question. Um, and it's something I get a lot from just people that I interact with, my colleagues at work, friends, and what can we actually do? Um, and I think before we get into that, I just wanted to mm -hmm. clarify and just level set, you know, when we talk about allyship, like what does that actually mean? You know, that word gets kind mm -hmm. of thrown around and it's part of our national discourse now. But uh, for me, I think the definition that I've, I found most helpful is that allyship is this active and consistent effort where you're using your power and privilege to support and advocate for people with less privilege. Mm. And so there are a lot of emphasis if we can unpack that. So active, yeah. um, how can you be an active ally? Um, you know, a lot of the times people think they're allies and they're not. And it's okay once you realize that, that okay, I'm actually not an active ally. I may be passive and maybe an example of passive allyship would be maybe your company puts out a solidarity statement. Oh, we're supporting our Asian American and Pacific Islander colleagues this month mm -hmm. and then does nothing. Mm -hmm. So the statement, that's great, but it's not followed up by action. It's not followed up by anything, um, you know, not followed up by with anything actionable. And then mm -hmm. the consistent is knowing that allyship isn't a one day thing. It's not a one event thing. So maybe you've gone to say like a protest or maybe you're involved in a boycott and then that protest or boycott is over and then you're like, I've done my part. You know, don't call me to 2023. <laughs> it's great that you participated, but it's also just that one isolated incident. You have to kind of think, is it gonna have that ripple effect? It, it might have that ripple effect, but then you've just done this one isolated thing. Whereas allyship really does need to be a consistent journey It actually, and there are many ways you can like embed it um, into your everyday life, um, you know, because like you said, we're all, you know, busy parents for the most part, and we can't necessarily always go to the rallies, we can't necessarily always read that book. Um, so I would say some do's and don'ts of how to be an ally. So mm -hmm. the first thing is just to be open, open to listening and learning, and learning can happen in whatever form, like right now, me and you were learning from each other. That mm -hmm. is an active allyship. You trying to say my name correctly at the beginning, that is an active allyship. So just being open to listening and learning. Another way to be an ally is to maybe do your own research and try to learn, um, especially about historical context, you know, mm -hmm. how did we get to this point? And there's so many resources online. If you're, if you want to do a documentary, there's a ton of documentaries on Netflix or another streaming platform. If you want to listen to mm. a, a podcast like this, if you want to listen to an audio book, if you are a social media person, maybe you're finding different groups in, on, or different spaces on Twitter or Facebook, but there really are so many ways to learn about how to be a, an ally. I think another thing is just to acknowledge and be aware of that we all have inherent implicit biases mm -hmm. and privileges and power me as a black woman, as an immigrant, as an educated, you know, someone who's educated, mm -hmm. those are all levels of privilege. You know, you have your own levels of privilege. So acknowledging that, you know, a lot of people might think privilege is just talking about money and, you know, class, that's part of it, but that's not the whole picture. Mm -hmm. um, and then another thing would just be to recognize, um, micro behaviors or microaggressions. So maybe somebody says a comment and you you respond differently or you question or 
you know, it's, it's recognizing that. I'll, I'll give an example of uh, yeah. an implicit bias that I had. And mm-hmm. as a chief diversity officer, I was just like, wow. So I was in a parking garage and there was a white woman who had on designer duds, you know, designer shoes, designer mm-hmm. handbag, and lots of shopping bags. And then there was a Latinx man who was kind of in coveralls with paint and work boots. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I took note. And then the two cars pulled up. There was the luxury brand new Mercedes SUV. Mm-hmm. And then there was kind of this beat up Honda or well-loved Honda. Mm-hmm. And I immediately thought, I know who's going in those cars, white mm-hmm. woman in her Mercedes Benz and the Latin ex uh, man in you know, the, the Honda. And surprisingly, it, w- it was switched. The Latin ex mm-hmm. got in the Mercedes Benz and the white woman got in the Honda. And I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. I made a snap judgment based on yeah. how people look. In that moment, my snap judgment didn't impact anything. I wasn't, a, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't a decision maker. I, I wasn't doing anything that was going to have an effect, but I had that thought. And so me just acknowledging that, being like, wow, I need to be aware of the biases that I have, even as a chief diversity officer, that I made the snap judgment. So I think that is in and of itself is acknowledging the biases, processing it and unpacking. And so now I know, okay, I'm not going to judge it by its cover. I'm not going to judge yeah. someone based on how they look. Um, and if you, if you start taking those, those moments to do that, again, that's another form of, of allyship. I think another form of allyship is if you make a mistake, just to apologize. I think mm-hmm. we're all caught up in being the perfect ally and that even like paralyzes people because mm-hmm. you think you're going to be the perfect ally to every single group. And that's, that's not possible. Yeah. Um, I will say right here, I'm probably a better ally to black women because mm-hmm. I am a black woman. So I yeah. deeply understand our issues yeah. um, and the things that we face. And I might not be a great ally to the AAPI community, but I'm working on it. Um, mm-hmm. I, was Indonesian and my niece is Indonesian and so I'm, I'm working on that trying to understand how did we get to this Asian hate how do we get mm-hmm. here um and so it's realizing that we're not all going to be perfect allies but just that willingness to work on it and to learn and to try to be a better ally and if you have kids you can even start teaching them how to be allies yeah. with them where they are maybe you get diverse books maybe you watch diverse you know, movies that have different characters that are, you know, Black, Hispanic, Asian, mm-hmm. just so they're seeing different representation. And maybe you start having those conversations with them. Um, you know, maybe there's a Black uh, a minority community that you can support a business. That is a form of allyship, supporting, mm-hmm. you know, minority-owned, women-owned businesses. So there, yeah. there's so many ways to practice. So many good things. Yeah, so many, <laughs> and I'm happy to, like, put together a resource list for, yeah. all, for you all. Um, because there's so oh, many, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Wait, I just want to, I, you're like saying so many amazing things, but I wanted to make sure I, yeah. um, collect my thoughts about it so I can respond before you say more amazing things. Um, so some of what you said is like very easy and doable, like watching documentaries, just opening up your eyes more, um, buying books with, and not just books like about, you know, like a little black boy being a little black boy, but books where like the main character just happens to be a little black boy. So like that type of thing. Um, and then I like that. I like that. I'm thank you for sharing about your experience in the parking garage, because I've definitely had experiences where I realized like, Ooh, I just had a prejudiced thought. Um, and 
And it doesn't feel good to realize that. And my first instinct is to be like, no, I didn't mean it. And it's like, well, I meant it. Like I thought it in my brain. So it happened. And, and I think that it's really interesting that you said, um, that you weren't in a place where you're making a decision at that moment. So you could just get to reflect on it. But if you're in a place where you're making decisions and you're in a place where, um, I mean, I feel like sometimes it's really obvious. It's like, you know, my husband has talked about talking to his boss about like being in the diversity group and like, that's an obvious conversation, but sometimes it's not so obvious, um, and, and making decisions. And so, um, I don't know where I'm going with exactly, but I think that you're saying, and I think this is part of also just growing as a person, like recognizing and, and observing your thoughts and actions without judging yourself because we're all learning. Um, and with just saying like, I'm just going to recognize it. Like, this is how I get so many of my clients to start making nutrition and, and fitness changes because I say, don't judge it. Just like notice. And over time, the more you notice things, your behavior just naturally kind of changes. So I really, I would just wanted to call out those three things that stood out to me, which is like, if you can't do a lot, you can do easy things like educate yourself with a documentary because you know what, you're not even going to realize it, but you're going to end up the next time you're out with friends talking about this cool documentary where you learn something and then just knowledge spreads. Um, the book thing I think is awesome. Um, and yeah, I realized all the time, like I married a black man, my children are black and then, and like, I'm Jewish. And so like, I clear, like, I like lean towards caring about those groups, but like, it's, and recognizing like you can, and then I feel like I have friends who are like in the LGBT world, um, who like really are into that, which is great. And I need to be more supportive and there's different. And so I think it's also, I'm glad that you said that because I think like, I, I, I almost didn't realize I was doing it until more recently that I was like, oh, I'm really like trying to be woke for black people, but nobody else like, that's not cool. Um, and so recognizing that in yourself and just learning more, like, I remember, my husband's better about this stuff than I am. A few years ago, he was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a book about trans youth because I know nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, and he was like, I always want people to treat me this way. Like about like, I always want people to believe me when I say something racist happened to me. So like, I should probably understand where these other people are coming from. Um, I love that so, so much. Um, it's a very similar experience with the LGBTQ community. I was, I wouldn't call myself an ally to them before I got into this diversity space. Um, it was that like, I'm not, you know, I'm not anti-LGBT, but I also wasn't, yeah. I wasn't helping them. I wasn't doing anything to be an advocate or an ally for that community. And I work with um, an openly uh, non-binary individual and they have been just such an incredible resource to me as far as educating me. Um, they're all, they were already in this DEI space you know, before I got here. And now mm. we have such deep conversations. And so that's another way to be an ally, opening up your circle. Like mm-hmm. who do you hang out with? Who, who do you talk to most? You know, do you have a coworker that you haven't asked to lunch? have lunch with that person and just yeah. find out about their lived experiences. Again, a lot of this DEI journey is about learning and educating and just, you know, understanding, you know, where you are and where you'd like to be. And you do that through listening to stories and also telling your own, um, you know, so I think that, that that's super important. Definitely um, kudos to your husband for doing that. Cause I know he's better than me. He's a thoughtful person. Um, but that actually, um, something you just said, uh, brought a question up for me. So I feel like I, so I'm a white person. I'm surrounded by white people often. And I feel like 
there's this feeling of like, oh, well, I wish I had more friends of different ethnicities, but like, I don't know where to meet them. So I just don't. And like, how do people break that divide without being awkward? Cause I've also been, because I'm married to a black man, been on the receiving end of people being like, oh, I want to be your friend. Cause you're a biracial couple. And like, that's also awkward. So how do you like, I mean, I think I have ideas, but I want you to say it. Like, how do you get yourself immersed in other cultures? Like, how do you get away from just where you are in your group? Yeah, I think a, a good, um, maybe one option uh, would be to support uh, minority-owned and women-owned businesses if they have mm. a brick-and-mortar um, store, maybe a pop-up, go to that event. If there's a festival, if there's a carnival in town, you know, if there's just like a social event, I think that would be a great place to meet people. Um, but I wouldn't go into those um, spaces with the intention of I'm going to make a black friend today. Like yeah. that's, not, <laughs> that's not what you want to do. I'm going to make an Asian friend today. That's not what you want to do. I think you just want to go there open and, you know, you mm -hmm. want to partake in it. Um, and, you know, you're not centering yourself. You're going there to learn and to be open. And I think through those authentic and having that authentic interest in those authentic conversations should lead mm -hmm. to authentic connections and hopefully a friendship after that. So I think, yeah. you know, just really kind of, again, I think goes back to just kind of opening up your circle a little bit more mm. and figuring out, you know, where, um, you know, you can meet people that maybe don't necessarily look like you or, mm -hmm. you know, have the same lived experiences. So yeah. And I like the idea to not the same lived experiences, but having the same shared experiences, like going to the same festival um, and just like, yeah, just getting out of your bubble. Cause there's, there's other bubbles that you can experiment you know, popping into. Yeah. And can I ask you as a mom who's raising biracial children, how have mm -hmm. you, do you, do you think about that? Like what it's going to be like for them growing mm -hmm. up with, you know, these dual identities being both, you know, white and Jewish mm -hmm. and then African-American black. Have you and your husband talked about that or is it still kind of early? Like, uh, we've talked about it. I think about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, like all the time, uh, some of it, sometimes I just can't understand. Sometimes he tells me, he's like, you're just never going to get it. And I'm, and I'll never get it. Um, sometimes like we've talked about, let me think of some examples, like, um, huh, I'm trying to think of, I don't want to like, I can go on 17 tangents right now. So I don't want to go on tangents, but let me think of some examples with the kids. Um, okay. Well, this is a heavy example to give, but like, so we were visiting friends a couple of weeks ago. We went, we were like, so he has these friends from college that we all, um, well, we like all had COVID. So we got to see each other right after we healed from COVID. Um, but we used to every year go on a trip together. We call it the family trip. Um, and it's his friends from college and it's, um, like, uh, it's six of well that on this trip there were six of us so he's got like two best friends they're both black men one's married to a black woman one's married to a white woman and I forget what I said we were out for a walk and I forget what these are very good friends and I forget what I said but it was something like I hope that the baby because I have a little boy he's one my girl is four and I was like I hope that he doesn't have a complex about and I forget what it was but it was something that was like not that big of a deal. I think I forget what the complex was. And one of the other dads said to me, like, if that's the worst thing that's as a black man in America, that's the worst thing that's happened to him by the time he's 21. Like I'd be shocked. And I was like, Oh, and so then I asked my husband, like what he thought about it. And he was like, well, yeah, <laughs> like there's this like known understanding that 
that I'm learning about, but I still don't fully have the known understanding. Um, and I'm worried for the day that, that they're like, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. You're white. You, you know, and I'm worried for the day that they're like, you don't understand me. Um, you know, he's already been giving them the talk since they were like, I mean, I think he's already giving the little boy the talk. Like he's, and my daughter, since she couldn't talk either about like, not everyone's going to love you. Some people are going to be mean, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then little things like, um, like her hair has to be done. She can't look sloppy. Cause if she looks sloppy, people are going to think she's less than, and you know, my parent, like my mom is like, I love it when her hair looks all crazy, but it can't, um, I'm going to ramble here. I don't know. Ask me a more direct question that I can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you raised up, you raised so many good points in there because, um, so yeah, let's, let's unpack. Cause I, I have little, little girls as well. And we're Oh, wait, I want to add one thing. Sorry. Um, that, that he said to me that, so back, I forget how old she was, but it was something like, he was like, well, she's black, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but she's also white. And he was like, pissed about that comment. And I didn't understand. And then he, um, he was like, you don't need to, I don't, I can't remember how he put it, but basically it was a lesson to me. Like I knew that the world sees her as black, but then I felt like I was being erased by not acknowledging that she's half white. Yeah. but it doesn't matter because the world sees her as black. So it doesn't matter. I know. And that, that's, that's really tough. Cause I, I, I definitely see where both of you all are coming from that you, you don't want, you know, part of you to be, you know, part of that her to be erased, but yeah, the world is going to see her as a black, as a black girl, just like you think about president Obama, he's mm-hmm. biracial, but he's always, mm-hmm. you know, He's always the first black president. We don't say the Mm -hmm. first biracial, you know? And so, yeah, so how they navigate the world is going to be through that, you know, as a black person, just like with my girls, you know, um, we're Nigerian and we're desperately working hard to make sure that they understand their Nigerian heritage, their culture, that we eat Nigerian food at home. We listen Mm -hmm. to Nigerian, you know, music and watch Nigerian shows um, and, teaching them, you know, our native tongue. But I also know that the moment they step outside, you know, our home, the world is just gonna look at them as black. And when I say black, it's just, you know, as African-American, not necessarily that they're Nigerian American or, or, or anything else. And so I think that it is gonna be important for us to, you know, impart that knowledge to our kids. So they are prepared and they're not taken away, unaware, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think about, you know, growing up and me wanting to kind of hide that African part of me, that Nigerian, because I grew up in a very, very white neighborhoods, went to predominantly schools. I actually, speak, uh, speaking of where I grew up, I actually grew up in Buffalo for, for part of a couple of years. And so this, you know, mass shooting that happened really hit home to me, uh, both literally and figuratively, because I, I grew up there and my family went to that grocery store that was targeted. And I just kept thinking like people like this, that could have been me. And Mm -hmm. this shooter didn't care about Mm -hmm. anything. What Mm -hmm. those, those were parents, those were loved ones. Those were friends, those were coworkers, like just chose and said, you don't deserve to live because you're black. And I think that that is so heartbreaking and so angering Mm -hmm. that it's Mm -hmm. a reality that we have to find a way to tell our kids that there are some people in this world that don't think you deserve to live. Yeah. And that that's, a, I'm even like getting emotional thinking about that because that's a horrible conversation to have to have. 
And parents of Black kids, parents of biracial kids do have to have that conversation in so many words so that they are prepared uh, to go out into this world that may not accept them, that may not love them, that Mm -hmm. might treat them less. So I think, you know, when you say that there's part of you that might never understand, I think we can say that for everyone, for different groups. Like Mm -hmm. I might never ever fully understand the experience of an Asian woman and the fear Mm -hmm. that that community is feeling right now mm-hmm. the fear like there was just a shooting in in dallas texas mm-hmm. um another spa shooting like oh. i can't even imagine what those women feel like going to work on a day knowing yeah. that so- someone could come in and shoot them and right so you know we, with the lgbtq community i i might not ever fully understand what they have gone through what they're still going through i know with my i've mentioned my co-worker who's non-binary Mm-hmm. Um, I misgendered them mm-hmm. multiple times by mistake, and I immediately like retracted. I, I apologized. Mm-hmm. I I said I'm sorry, but I don't understand that pain that I caused them from right. being misgendered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, although like we might not fully understand, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to stop learning and trying to, and we should never stop having empathy. I think that's like mm-hmm. the biggest the biggest kind of tool or, you know, the tool that we have to work against hatred, to work against closed-mindedness is just to continue to have empathy. And when that well runs dry and you don't have empathy and you don't have the bandwidth, it is okay to log off and be like, I'm done. I, I can't do this right now. You know, realign, recenter, and then, and then come back to it when you are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just holistically ready to do that. So yeah being, having no capacity for feeling empathy might mean that you need a break right, and that exactly. it's okay to take a break. Cause you need, you need to, exactly. you know, you and need it to take care of you first. Yeah. yeah. And it does not mean you're a bad person at all. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're out of time, but I wanted to ask, Oh, I don't know which question I want to ask. Um, well, one question, cause we were talking about that. And because a lot of my listeners have young kids, um, we were talking about having, you know, the talk with your kids, how, do you have the talk with your kids about um, issues that are not personal to them? So if you have a white kid or if you have an Asian kid, if you're talking about Black Lives Matter, or if you have a you know cisgendered kid and you're talking about somebody who's trans, like, is it books? Is it, because um, I feel like a lot of people in my circles will say like, well, I want to talk about stuff, but I don't even know where to start or it feels awkward or it feels like they'll get confused. And it's like the parent doesn't have enough confidence in their ability to talk about the topic, um, to teach it to their kid. Yeah. So what's a good resource or. I mean, I think the same, all the same resources that, um, I shared earlier, the documentaries, Mm. the movies, the book, then, you know, going out to social events, um, and I think, again, it's moving away from that striving to be the perfect teacher. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be the perfect teacher. Nobody's asking you to be, but being adequate, being willing to learn alongside with your child, I think that that's even more important. So um, I think, you know, start slow, maybe you educate yourself first mm-hmm. as much as you can before presenting information to your child or sharing that with your child so that if they do have questions if they're in an age where they can ask questions 
you could say, oh, honey, I don't know about that, but let's find out together. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't yeah. have to feel like you have all the answers because you're most likely not going to. I'm, I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. You don't. So I think it's just a matter of saying, you know, we're learning about this together, you know, or maybe you've read a book and it could be a just kind of a Q&A. What did you what did you like about that book? Oh, what did you mm-hmm. think about the main character? You know, so just mm-hmm. having that conversation and let it be natural, you know, and don't feel like you have to achieve perfection whatever that that's that looks like because it's it's not about perfection it's really about progress you know yeah yeah and I think that I like those that answer it's a nice answer and I think that um I must like the idea of talking about it before you're ready because then your kid will ask the questions that you're like oh I should think more about this which can be really cool yeah Um, that's a great way to be like oh that's a really great question that's a really thoughtful question Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about it, but I'm going to think about it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Don't have to My daughter's like funny. Like, I don't know it. You don't have to. Yeah. Like and sometimes, like, sometimes my daughter will just be walking and she'll be like, mommy, me and Dre. So Dre is the baby. She'll be like, we're the same. We have the same color skin and we're the same as daddy, but lighter. He has darker skin. Um, and just like labeling it, like, it's cool that she's like recognizing that and, Um, so sometimes it's just like observing and being like, yeah, that's what it is. You don't have to like educate on top of it. Um, I don't know. Um, but anyway, you're the expert. So you tell us, but, uh, but we're out of time. So, but you have, so you have created a side business that is, um, with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then you also have this printer business. Can you share quickly about how people might, uh, find you and and use your businesses, your various businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So I do DEI and, and I love that. I consult on the side. Um, I do keynote speeches. I do trainings on implicit bias, allyship, microaggressions, uh, psychological safety. So that that's really like the thing that I do on the side that I love. So I think best way, to, I'm on LinkedIn. So I think that's the best mm-hmm. way people can reach out to me. Also just a direct email. Um, okay, yeah. And I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, so that's the best way uh, to reach me. And happy to work one-on-one, happy to work with, you know, your company and have me as a guest, um, would love that. And then on, we, I also do um, a printing business with my husband, uh, Minuteman in Paoli, uh, Pennsylvania. We do everything. So signage, flyers, programs, calendars, any type of swag you can imagine if you want your book or, you know, um, backpack or sweatshirt or anything like that. Um, and uh, we are, as I mentioned, he's a he's a, in the military, so a veteran-owned business, minority-owned business. So we love your support, and um, yeah, again, can really do anything that you can conceive of. And um, again, an email would be the best way to reach me. Awesome. Well, yeah. So you already said it: minority-owned business, veteran-owned business. So if you guys are looking for a place to give support, it's a great place to do it. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for being with me. This was so wonderful. I wish we had more time, but we have to go. Um, but we'll thank chat again. So and thank you so much for having me. This was this yes. Was thank you. Yes. And if you guys want to hear, I don't know anything else on this topic, let me know. Cause I'll be honest, this topic, I get really uncomfortable talking about it, but it's necessary. And like, it's good to get uncomfortable. So thank you for making me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye for now. Okay, 
thank you so much for listening. As a busy parent, I know how hard it can be to make time for yourself. So be so, so proud that you got to the end of this episode. I hope that you heard something in here that you feel like you can bring into your life right now without a lot of time or prep. I recommend that you check out my free five-day refresh. There's a link in the bio. You just get simple tips in your ears or in your inbox. You get a WhatsApp group where you get to chat with people um, to get yourself over a hump and get started feeling like a healthier and happier you. Uh, And of course, you are always invited to join my full refresh program, the six-month program that helps busy parents find actual solutions for feeling your best using food and fitness and conversation and accountability and community uh, and support. So if you have any questions or want to chat with me, there's all sorts of information in the show notes here for how to get in touch with me. And I look forward to seeing you in another episode soon. Oh, and P.S. So cheesy, but sharing is caring. Please, if you know anybody that would benefit from listening to my podcast or maybe even working with me, please send them this episode or whatever episode you really enjoy um, and help bring them into my world and me into their world. I'm here for you and to help you and whoever else aligns with that. So please share, help me out, help them out. And uh, thanks so much for being a supporter. Thank you.